Well, how about that gospel reading? <laughs> Does everyone feel warm and fuzzy after a little bit of good news? Just when it seems like things in our world can't seem to get much worse, it now appears that even our scriptures have jumped on the doom and gloom bandwagon. This passage from Matthew's Gospel is one of two accounts of the parable of the wedding feast, but it's probably not the one we choose to remember, is it? The other one we might know a little better is in chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel, and it recounts a much more pleasurable experience. In that parable, like in Matthew's, the host of a great feast invites many to come, but no one shows up. And like in Matthew's, the host then sends out his slaves into the streets to invite whoever they could, the poor, the crippled, people who usually wouldn't get such hospitality offered to them. But once they arrive in Luke's idyllic version of the story, there's still even more room at this feast. So the host sends out his slaves again, inviting anyone and everyone they can to join this grand celebration. It's a wonderful image of the endless and abounding grace and love of God towards God's people. So what happened to Matthew? And why does his version have such a shocking and unsettling message? Well, like most things in the Bible, context is everything. And if there's one thing that I've learned in seminary, it's that it can be confusing and downright dangerous to try to impart our own culture and our own societal norms onto these texts, which we should remember were written at least 2,000 years ago. Each book in the Bible was written for a specific group of people at a specific time and place in history. And yes, the truths that these stories and records tell us may be timeless, but I'm a firm believer that they were not written in some sort of vacuum, isolated from the same human quarrels and biases and prejudices that still exist to this day. So taken by itself, the parable of the wedding banquet we just heard from Matthew's gospel seems to paint this picture of a ruthless and an unloving God. After all, in the parable, God is portrayed as the king who is throwing this wedding banquet for his son. That means it's God who becomes enraged when the guests do not show up. And while it is God who opens up the feast to everyone they can find in the streets, both good and bad, it's also God who then casts that poor, unfortunate man who wasn't wearing the wedding robe into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a pretty tough consequence for someone who was just grabbed off the streets and who wasn't even planning on going to the feast in the first place. These are harsh words coming from Jesus, the Prince of Peace. But thankfully, we know better than to take this parable as a standalone, isolated soundbite. 
Because at this point in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has just arrived in Jerusalem and has been going back and forth with this group of Pharisees. If you remember, those were the strict observers of the Jewish law and generally perceived themselves to be spiritually and morally superior to most everyone else. So Jesus was addressing people who pretty much thought they were already good with God. That simply by checking all the right boxes under their religious law, they had guaranteed their place. So on the one hand, this parable, with all of its unnecessary violence and destruction, served as a kind of wake-up call to this self-righteous group of listeners. But while that might have been fine for them at that time in Jerusalem, what good does it do for us who are hearing it today in 21st century Decatur, Alabama? Well, the first step in trying to make sense of this parable is to remember that it is just that, a parable. It's not meant to be a direct and exact retelling of some historical event, but rather it's a method that Jesus uses again and again to reveal a greater truth about God in a way that might cause us to think a little bit and maybe even go, oh, let's take a quick look at what I'm talking about. In the parable, the king sends out not one, but three separate invitations to the wedding banquet he was throwing for his son. Now, in a culture that was ingrained with ideas of honor and shame, it was practically unbelievable that anyone would ever refuse such an invitation, much less an invitation coming from a king. And then what happens? After the people refuse this invitation, they kill the king's slaves? That's ridiculous. That would never happen. Continuing on, the king gets upset when no one shows up and he burns the entire city down? And then he still somehow has time to send out a third invitation to the party that same night? It's absurd. And finally, what about the poor guy without the robe? He gets the worst of it, simply for not dressing up. The punishment doesn't exactly fit the crime. Because you see, it's a parable. It's hyperbole. It's exaggerated. It gives us freedom to read in the story not quite so strictly or so fearfully. But that does not mean that we still shouldn't take it seriously. God takes the invitation to God's feast extremely seriously and expresses great disappointment when, we, when those of us who have been invited refuse to accept God's open offer. And it's also important to note that God offers this invitation not only to this religious elite, but to all people, both good and bad. So the question remains, what happens when we do accept the offer and show up to God's feasts? Are we simply to walk in and 
sit down and start eating like we would any other meal, like that unfortunate man in the parable? I think Matthew's imagery makes it clear that the answer is no. Because you see, by not wearing the wedding robe in this parable, the man was not participating fully into the event that he was invited to. By just being there and eating the food, he wasn't contributing to the vibrancy and the celebration of the feast in the same way he would if he was wearing the bold colors of the wedding robe and dancing the wedding dances. And his lack of participation obviously disappointed the king. I believe the same can be said for our own response to this invitation we have today. No, I don't believe God will send us into the outer darkness if we don't wear our coat and tie to church. But God does have the same desire for us to not only answer God's invitation, but to show up in our party clothes. God wants us to fully participate in the work of God's kingdom and to allow ourselves to be transformed at the same time. But what does that actually mean? How are we called to fully participate in this glorious feast? In the catechism found in the back of our Book of Common Prayer, the question is posed, what is the duty of all Christians? And the answer follows. The duty of all Christians is to follow Christ, to come together week by week for corporate worship, and to work, pray, and give for the spread of the kingdom of God. Work, pray, and give for the spread of the kingdom of God. These seemingly simple instructions have meant different things to different people at different times. I wonder what you see your role for working to spread the kingdom of God is indicator today. The decatur of today seems to some to be very different from the decatur of just one month ago. For others, however, the decatur of today looks exactly like it has for the past hundred odd years. What is your role in this conversation? What is God calling you to do in this community? What will your response be to God's invitation to actively participate in this feast where all people, both good and bad, black and white, rich and poor, are invited? Because once we say yes, once we show up to this great feast, we're also invited and expected to conform our, all of our lives to the joyous and welcoming and loving ways of God. When we show up, the barriers we place in our lives can then begin to crumble. And God's work of peacemaking and justice doing can begin to flourish. When we show up, we open ourselves to transformation and to newness. So do not fear this parable. It's a parable. 
It's supposed to shock us out of our complacency. God has invited all of us to join the abundant and unending feast of God's kingdom. Accept God's invitation. Show up as you are, but do not stay that way. The feast is far too wonderful, and the stakes are far too high for us to remain the same. <laughs>